This is really counterintuitive, but like the only time I ever eat broccoli is like if I dip it in queso or something. Huh. So, like raw or cooked? Either or. Like, See, I eat raw broccoli too. It's just very bitter. Exactly. So that's why I need the queso. But even if it's cooked, I need like, you know, it's salt and pepper like crazy. Seasoned. You need something else. Yeah, season oh, really yeah. well. It can and... be a little bland. It can be a little bland. So what I, so for me on the grill is it doesn't go super soft. It stays like nice and crispy, like nice and crunchy. Oh. So um, you're also pretty counterintuitive too that we need when you eat broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> but like I also have like broccolini in the fridge. I'm very excited. Um anyway. as for how much did I I didn't I didn't blow anything up. I didn't I didn't buy any fireworks this year. Oh nice. I didn't because do that. Do you know what do you know what's not very drunkenomical? Blowing your fingers off? Setting your money on fire. <laughs> Let someone else do it. Yeah, well tell that to the guy that just bought a bunch of cigars. That's different. You get some you get something out of it. It's true. I do get a lot of enjoyment. Okay. And- well that's like saying that every time I buy beer and whiskey, I'm just about to piss my money away. <laughs> Did you know that over five trillion dollars exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over two hundred and twenty billion dollars an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. All right, guys, and welcome back to Drunkenomics, the drinking podcast with an economics problem or two. Mm. Hi. The power vested in me by the VIX, and apparently no one's concern about like the market going down. Uh, no, uh, yeah. Your less gracious host, James Goldwater, powered nice. powered by that utter lack of fear, that just that overwhelming <laughs> bull confidence of the U.S. markets. Yeah, live from Arizona, the more gracious host. That's Nathan me. Wong. Oh no. wow, that's dude! Not right. No, that's, that's never gonna right. happen. He's never gonna be a host <laughs> and of more grace. So that's over two on that one. But uh, what can yes. I say? Less gracious. <laughs> you know what? All I'm gonna say is a bull market certainly makes my job easier, my day job, and this current <laughs> and, and this uh, being your guys's more gracious host makes that job easy too. But uh, makes for decent days and nights. I know. Yeah, but I get it. I, I hear where you're coming from. The VIX for some reason is still sub 15. As a matter of fact, it's significantly sub 15. Yeah. So, I, I'm very confused. Yeah. Um, but, what, so, but what is your but what is your actual name again? Yeah, so it's not Nathan. It's Aaron. Aaron Wong. Pleasure to be drinking so with all of you. So close, dude. You're so close. But uh, yeah, hopefully you guys have a nice stiff one in front of you. Unless, of course, you're about to drive somewhere. In that case, wait till you get to where you're going and then have that stiff one. Wait till you're done driving for the day before you fill and kill. Absolutely. But uh, got to be drunkenomical about absolutely. it. Absolutely. Really fast before we get going. None of this is financial advice. None mm-hmm. of this is an official communication from our employers. We go out of our way to not let you know who they are for a reason. Yep. Uh, everything we are opining on, it is our opinions, our opinions alone. If they coincide with our employers that is purely incidental accidental where you we're basing all of our all of our talking points everything we're quoting we're referencing is publicly available information if you're curious about where that is you can ask us and the easiest way to ask us is to track us down on our social media and that is facebook instagram separately hopefully you can still get to us on twitter if we're within your scrollability (laughs) you know uh, verified or not, here we come. Yeah, but what was but that handle? Our, oh, it's my. Yeah, oh, um, you are, are you asking? Yeah, me? what is our handle, oh, Aaron? Uh, let me check. Uh, I had it written down here. Oh, it's at drunkenomical. D R U N K U N O M I C A L. D R U N K U N O M I C A L. I feel like I laughed in the middle of that when I said that last time. So you did, I, and for a second I was like, oh, maybe that's the way to pop through it. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, the great way to. That's the great way to find us to our social medias. You can also track us down. You use Discord. the in, the the permanent oh, invitation. Yeah. 
on our social medias to get to the Discord where you can get into questions with the hosts, which is us. Absolutely. Just, just hang out with your fellow econoholics and drinkonomists. Uh, hey, you can yeah, bounce ideas off of them. Have some fun conversations. Yeah. There have been some really fun conversations in here lately. Um, mm. But yeah, ask us questions, ask us things, share drink recipes, just chill. Sure, yeah. You know? So yeah, I appreciate you getting out of the way because seriously, none of this is financial advice. Even when I say I'm currently drinking Elijah Craig bourbon, Oh my God, I can't believe how awesome this bourbon is. Bang for buck, it's amazing. Also, uh, disclaimer, not financial advice. We're also not getting paid by Elijah Craig, mm-hmm. so there's no uh, conflict of interest there. Not yet. No, and hopefully if, not. And if we ever were, we'd let you know. Exactly, um, yeah. But uh, it's fantastic, <laughs> man. I'm like, I, dude, I seriously, it's been forever since I've had this stuff. I love the small so. batch. I love to cocktail with it. Yeah. Have you had the toasted barrel? You've had the toasted I, barrel. Dude, it's been forever, but I remember that being... Like I remember, okay, so the, I, the Basil Hayden's has a good toasted barrel. Michter's, yes, obviously. Michter's, I don't think Michter's mm-hmm. can is capable of making a bad bottle of anything. Like I just don't think they are. Anything Michter's makes is just magical. Makes my mouth happy. But this is, it does. It it makes a lot of things happy about me. Uh, but yeah, Elijah Craig, man, pretty pretty cool. You know, last week I was drinking. Uh, does the carpet match the drapes? Red Bush. Um, <laughs> Red Bush. Yeah, I still have some left, but uh, I wanted to switch it up and drink some bourbon this week because it's Fourth of July fair. week. So it's American. Yeah, yeah, it's Fourth of July week. So for those of you that, for those of you in the U.S. and or the overseas territories, Happy Fourth of July. Everyone else around the world, Happy Fourth of July. Uh, it's <laughs> you know, it's a little. It's the same day. It's just a different. It's just a different just thing. Different meaning um, over there. Yeah, there's less. There's a slightly different meaning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the great thing about Fourth of July, technically, um, is that it's one one day. You can't lose money on American markets. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and guess what, too? This week, because it was on a Tuesday, you don't know mm-hmm. what happened on Monday. That was a half day of trading. Exactly. So we only had a half day to lose money on Monday. So that was great. That was fantastic. Pros and cons. Exactly. Um, More pros and cons, you know. So absolutely. Yeah. But uh yeah, welcome back. But so glad you all can join us. I guess um, Aaron, do you have anything you want to toast to? Anyone you want to raise a glass to while we're getting going? Oh uh, gosh, dude. Uh I hate to do this because well, actually I don't really hate to do this because I'm using an apple to record this conversation that we're having, this drink that we're having together. I'm, I'm recording it on an Apple device. I have multiple Apple devices, so I might as well just cheers to Apple real quick. The largest company in the world. Did they, was it, what, what, what was that number? Was it three? They hit $3 trillion in market cap. Unbelievable. That's how he died. That's how he died. That's how he died. That's how he died. <laughs> I wish we had a camera on James. James, James just passed out on the couch right now, dude. Somebody, it hurts does sometimes. anybody know CPR? Quick, somebody, give me the number for 911. Um, well, if you're going to raise a glass to Apple and then, okay, then I'll do the one. So, yeah. you know, 4th of July in the U.S., a great excuse to shoot off fireworks. And that, of course, leads me to let's pour one out to every dog owner out there who didn't get to have as much fun because oh, their dogs yeah. were just losing their minds because the world was coming to an end I, and the dogs wanted wanted their owners to be with them oh so we're safe as it did which was the situation here at here at our house with yeah. with eddie just oh for sure in the shower for four days well listen so i don't know um where in the country if you're listening in the u.s i don't know where in the u.s you're listening from i know in arizona we're not allowed to light fireworks from our own front yards if so you're doing in- from our neighbors yeah. <laughs> technically yeah exactly because that's yeah no but seriously like it sucks that we're not allowed to do that but in lincoln nebraska where I spent eight wonderful years of my life. I mean, we did that all the time. Yeah, we just we bought, no such rule exists. I know we just bought fireworks. You know, just launchers on like oh, on the driveways, and yep. then just started lining stuff up. Oh, it's it, madness. Yeah, it's crazy. It sounds like a war zone, but like it does. Yeah, and if you have a dog, 
they just they, it's their yeah. worst it's the worst and guess what end of the year I feel like this happens all the time but dogs that don't like explosions i feel like they don't really treat the house very well if you know what i mean yeah they don't want to go out they don't want to go outside when they're exploding but yeah. they still have biological functions so yeah mm-hmm. no we definitely yep. had a similar yeah oh man I'm uh, we sorry. Were able to, eddie eddie can hold it so we were, we were pretty good with him being able to get him out in the morning oh, like when there was no fireworks but yeah Oh yeah, well, Cora for her it's the smell of fireworks she doesn't like. Really? Wow. So eventually, yeah, it does get to a point where she won't go outside too because she's like, "No, nope, smells bad. Won't do it." That's weird because I've never, I've never um, minded the smell of fireworks. It's kind of, I, I don't know. I feel like I might be like mentally just like challenged or something because like the smell of <laughs> the smell of like explosions and stuff like that and gunpowder. The smell of gunpowder. I, I really like the smell of gunpowder, and I know that that's not a normal thing. For a normal human being, it's not. Uh, it's a smell. I'm. It's a smell I'm used to. The funny thing is, like, so for me, that one is like tarmac. Oh like yeah. When they're redoing asphalt on roads, I used to hate that smell. And then it got to a point where I was just like, ah, that means that means these roads will be smooth. Yeah. <laughs> so it all, it, all good. So by association, yeah. Well, it's kind of like when I smell. Uh-huh. Okay, so like I, I used to not think roses smell that good, but then eventually, like, roses to me smell like bourbon. I don't know why. I'm like, see, that's another thing. Like. I think bourbon tastes and smells like rose. I really do. And nobody else thinks that except for me. So maybe, maybe that's me, but that's why, yeah, it's that association thing, right? You know, like I just, uh, yeah. roses remind me of bourbon. So now I like oh, roses a lot. I love roses. Like I bring roses on dates because just not, not, not to give to the date, but just because like I like roses, you know, so. that's fair. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what did you what have you seen in the news this weekend? Because obviously, like, not a whole oh. lot of fi- like there was some there's some pretty crazy financial news. Um, dude, not a whole not a whole lot. Nothing. Dude, not a whole wild. lot. I feel like so lately it's it's really just been can this bull market last? Those are the main the main headlines no. that I've been seeing. I you know I'm with you on that. Like I, I don't. It seems euphoric, right? It seems like they don't want to miss out on the on the pivot and. You never know, too. Like, yeah. like, we could be wrong on this on this for sure, because, like... I, well, I'm not certain the, how. I, I just know. looking at China, I, I'm not certain Well, how. yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, there are, there could be something that we're missing that we just I, we just don't have access to, or we just completely turn a blind eye to, or we just want to think that we're right for sure. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of things that I'm seeing are just, can this bull market continue to run? Personally, I think June was just a very euphoric month. It was... I think there's just too many investors riding on the hopes that the Fed did finally pivot which now right now they've, it looks like they've maybe plateaued because what they they said that the timetable is going to be slower but they they will continue they see rate hikes in the future i mean let's recap right so uh so the, the fed meeting in june it was a pause there was no rate hike but if you listen to the presser right after it was very i mean it was very hawkish it sounded like this guy was like okay whatever inflation is at it needs to be down to their target rate of two percent which we're like that's a really ambitious goal we hope you get to it you know, but Godspeed. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, I don't know. It, it just seems like it's euphoric because I yeah. really like year to date, like January until now, it's like, dude, I mean, most asset classes have appreciated in value. Not most asset classes, but like just if you look at the S&P 500, uh, small caps, mid caps, I mean, all those are up like 20% year to date, which is crazy. Yeah, which is, for me, it's very funny because like, I'll say the things I've invested in. What I see is that, um, you know, they hit some pretty, you know, uh, manic highs Mm -hmm. in like 2020, 2021. They're back down now at what I consider reasonable levels. But then at the same time, like others have kind of bottomed out and are underperforming for me. And it's it's I'm trying to figure out if it's a post-COVID, you know, if it's still just that post-COVID thought process of like, well, this company 
is still paying a great dividend, still makes these products, but because it's an Asian firm or it's it's not you know in the U.S., is it is it still reacting to like the Chinese slowdown to other markets there not being in such strong shape? Yeah. In the end, I'm like, well, well, yeah, I, okay, it's well. So I think there's a lot of optimism based on the reopening of China and India's economy, which I think might be a little bit overdrawn and. And like mm-hmm. I said, right, a lot of it's just like, I don't, I don't want to miss out on that, right? If they do reopen and they get back to, to full spending capacity uh, and consumer behavior that, you know, because right now they're about like half, right? If you look at China, like the Chinese consumerism and spending, it's about like half of what it was pre-COVID, I think was what I saw. Yeah. It's, um, well, it's, it's not good. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's exactly. Industrial, industrial outputs, bad exports are bad. Imports are yeah, I mean, not doing what they need to be doing. If you're, if you're expecting throughput and output yeah and then they I mean, just, I think, the services sector announced last night that it sucks yeah well look, basically <laughs> yeah so like if you thought the, the chinese supply chain was having a bad day it's like okay well the, the services side of their economy is also having a bad day or a bad year so i was gonna say a, a day might be optimistic yeah, it might be too like yeah i know i might have my blinders on if i'm just talking about days here yeah it's a really short time frame but uh yeah um I think there's way too much optimism baked in on that because I think whoever this investor is that keep that that propelled the S and P to almost say at 4,500, and one of their main catalysts is well, China's going to reopen and India's going to reopen, and once they reopen, it's just going to be full. Dude, like, okay, well, let's just say they do get back to whatever it is pre-COVID consumerism. Even if they do get back there, I don't necessarily think it's going to take a month for that to happen. I think it's going to take a while. They need to turn a lot of things back on. In order for them oh, yeah. to reach those capacities, you know, and, and they've got, and they've got, they're they're facing other very serious demographic and economic headwinds. Oh yeah, in that I mean, you sent me this really, or you sent in, in our chat this really fun like fact, which is to say that uh, Chinese labor isn't the cheapest one on the block anymore. Now we've known that for a while, yeah. but now we've got the numbers which say that you know it's five times more expensive than some of their nearby neighbors. At, oh, yeah. it, it it costs the same amount to manufacture in um in China as it does in say India or South Africa. Right. So then why not build in India or South Africa, which you might argue could be friendlier or mm-hmm. closer to yeah. to its eventual destination. But more than all that, like it's what it's a sixty it's a sixty one percent increase in the cost of manufacture or in the cost of labor in twelve years. Yeah. So I mean, another thing that I saw it's too. Huge. So this is from Peter Zion, who is a who's a geopolitical. We've quoted him a million times, so it's not the first time mm-hmm. I'm quoting something from Peter Zion. But he's a geopolitics or geopolitical analyst. Geopolitical he's guy. Ex- yeah, he, I mean, he's an expert. He's been covering that for like over twenty five years or something like that. Very well read in economics and everything else as well. But he found out that Chinese labor is increasing in price faster than any society at any point in human history based on trusted data, right? Yeah, well, based on, yeah, based on the information we have. Yeah, Yeah. because I I mean, obviously, like, you know, if you look at Chinese data like that, you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. That could be just a a pro-Xi yeah, um, it benefits you know, someone. Yeah, but it, and it qui bono. Yeah, exactly. Like it's yeah. <laughs> you know, like for sure. Like you know, if you look at some some of the Chinese data, it could be like okay, it's proji, whatever it is. But like based on trusted data, uh, which also could be you know very Western leaning or at least have some sort of Western tilt. Regardless, there is enough evidence supporting the fact that Chinese labor is increasing in price at an extremely fast pace. And fun fact, it's even increasing in price faster than the Black Death era. Like, really? Because that's huge. (laughs) Like, that's like the Black Death in Europe is, if you really want to look at, um, it's the closest allegory to labor markets 
in a post-COVID era? Is this is this right. this massive is a fundamental shift in the way sure. labor is treated and the way labor is paid? So yeah. so even faster than that period because that period was hugely fast. Yeah, like you you suddenly saw people everything who, got turned back on. It's like okay, well we need to service this machine or whatever it is. Like I'll pay you whatever. Like well, yeah. whatever gets you so out of your house. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly quit rents weren't as big a thing, and it was suddenly it was uh well I need you to farm twice as much land and you can keep half of it. Whereas you maybe used to only keep 10%. Yeah. Uh, you know, people that people that don't know how to run the machine, but own the machine saying to people that do not know how to run the machine, yeah. like you get a stake in the machine now. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. wild. So it's faster than that. Yeah, they're finding more creative ways to pay people too. So, which, which and it's, really and, just, yeah. And it's a, it's a, an aging, a, dra- a more drastically than ever expected aging population. It's, it's, yeah. it's getting older faster. It's, um, it doesn't have enough young people to support, it's yeah. aging population. Well, and the and then force, it also, the labor force participation is also cloning at a pretty fast rate too, you know? Well, yeah. It's what, well, when the biggest part of your population is aging, is aging <laughs> out of the workforce. Yeah. And your younger yeah. generation aren't having kids at the same, at a, at, they're not having kids at a replacement rate. Yeah, yeah. no, you've, that's, you've got some pretty serious, very serious headwinds. Yeah. So I, that's one of the things, that's one of the chaos. And maybe I'm missing something here, but. You know, when the S&P almost hit 40, I mean, the S&P is like 40, at one point, the 52-week high, which was like last week sometime, it hit like 44.58. And I remember I was like, I was texting you. I was like, dude, can you believe that the S&P is almost at 4,500? It's like, I don't know what the average trading multiple is, but that's that's just ridiculous. Yeah, no, I I, I can't. I, I You know, I saw that the Dow snapped a three-day win streak, which first off, a three-day win streak is, is just like a baseball. It's just like, it's like you swept a series in baseball. That's not really a streak. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, who are you? The Detroit Tigers? Um, sorry, Tigers fans. Um, but it's, I don't know. You just, when you Whatever. see like, them talk about things like that, I'm like, who cares? Like in yeah. the end, like what really matters is percentage swing or, or actual dollar value swing. Cause it's like someone saying like, it, it's like talking to an options trader. Who's like, well, I, I, I make money half the time and I lose money half the time. That's a useless metric to me. Yeah. Because like if someone says, Oh, I, I make a hundred bucks in the times I win, but I lose a thousand bucks in the times that I lose. And yeah, that that's as, useless. It happens just as often, by the way. You know, it's it like, happens just as o- exactly. It happens just as often. I'm like, oh no, you're you're not winning half the time. Well, it's you're, also you're winning small and you're losing big. Yeah, I, I, we're kind of going down this rabbit hole, but I like this analogy a lot because I, I heard this a lot from uh, my CFA studies. But uh, hedge funds, a lot of times when they report to their investors, they'll do this uh, this annual average return that, that really fudges with the numbers, right? So what they do oh, yeah. one year, let's just say, you know, they have a pool of a million dollars, realistically a billion dollars, but let's just say it's a million dollars. And in one year they double it to 2 million. Sure. And then the next year they lose, they lose their earnings and it goes back down to 1 million. But if you think about it, year one from one to 2 million was a 100% return. And then year two from 2 million back down to 1 million was a negative 50% return. If you want to average negative mm-hmm. 50% and 100%, What's the average? It's 25%. Yeah. You can go back to, technically, you can. You can go to investors and say, we have an average annual return of 25%, of a positive 25%. And it's like, Whoa. and you haven't moved. Yeah, and you're yeah, still no, at a, well, yeah, the principal is still 100 million or, or still at 1 it's million. That, it's yeah. that great thing of there's, uh, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's actually, that's pretty no, funny. I remember like the, the CFA, uh, the CFA instructor said that it's like, there's lies, damn lies, statistics. Well, that's what, so, so for me, it's always been funny. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's why I remember in all my econ classes always, 
they'd be like, and this is why we don't do numbers this way. This is why we always do um, midpoint method. Yeah. So the 25% up and 25% down are the same, it's the same number. Yeah. Um, and there's a million different yeah. ways. Like I, I forget them all already, but um, I'll, I'll, yeah. whatever. Oh, there are, there absolutely there's are. so many different ways but, to calculate um, averages now, but yeah, uh, just to avoid oh, yeah. things like that, right? Like Exactly. You know, and that's, and the midpoint like, method was the one where it's like, it's like, oh, well, what's worse, a 33% gain or a 25% loss? And I'm like, I was like, if it's 75 cents to a dollar and a dollar to 25 or a dollar to 75 cents, it's the same, it's the same, the same effect. Amount. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think this, like whatever reason it is, like, even if the Fed does decide that they, you know, we're not raising rates anymore. It's like, I, you know, that you buy, like, does, does that necessarily warrant a $3 trillion market cap for Apple if you forecast their future earnings and discount it back to present yeah. value? Like, does, you know, does it? You I'd know? say no, but I, you know. Yeah. I look at Apple and I don't see, like, if I was building a portfolio, would Apple be in it? Absolutely. Somehow, they pay, some way. They yeah. pay a dividend and a decent one. They have a lot of cash. Right? So They buy back a lot of their own. They have the they cash buy back to a lot it. of their own stock, too. So Yeah. So, so like, there's reasons to, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's, I wouldn't avoid it, like, plague, because I think it's a bad company, like, Hertz or something. <laughs> but, like, again, not financial advice, guys. Do, you, yeah. do the research. These are these companies no, I, I either I, like I, or dislike, usually for personal reasons. Yeah, I understand you're not um, saying buy Apple. I think what you're, like, but you're saying, like, if, if you built a portfolio for, like, a lot of people, it's like, okay, well, you can't not have Apple. Apple would have to be there. Yeah, it's, it, whether it's through an indexing method or whether you buy the shares directly, you're obviously probably, it sounds like you're not overweight Apple. You're not going to add to it. Your price target for Apple isn't 250 when the stock's at 180. But for me, right? but for me what I'm going to look at is I'm going to look at Apple. And I'm going to go, how much dividend am I buying based on for guess? For sure. Oh, okay. dividend discount method. So, yeah, DDM. So dividend discount method is what I do with them because I'm like, okay, because I'm buying that cash. I would be buying that cash flow more than I'd be looking necessarily for- Capital appreciation. Um, capital appreciation yeah. personally. That's how for I sure. look at Apple. Yeah, um, and and this is the thing too is like like you have to have like yeah you have the position you overweight underweight obviously depending on which cycle the stock is in right so if the stock reaches to reaches a certain price level and you're just like wow that's pretty attractive I'm gonna I'm gonna add to the position and then if it goes up to a certain point yeah let's profit take and if it goes back down to a certain point yeah maybe we can do some tax off harvesting right so it's stuff like that right exactly so right at some point you have to build you have to build a core holding and then from there you can kind of have the satellite I guess it wouldn't really make sense it wouldn't be called a satellite but you have to kind of like at a different cost basis and a different tax yeah, other position tax you, have, yeah. you have the main thing you're looking to devalue and then you have other things that are there to to essentially hedge you against right. different different possible outcomes but that's in portfolio management that's that's, sure. looking, at, that's looking at those things like I, I don't know it's it's a it's the joy of statistics let's put it that way yeah exactly you can kind of make, you can kind of make anything make some very spurious arguments using statistics yeah exactly but yeah, but even if, like, let's just say even with, you know, this is my way of trying to get us back on the subject to what we're talking about, yeah. like, which, you know, is the S&P overvalued or not overvalued, which to be honest with you, I personally don't know. My hunch is that it is. But like, one of the things that I think the bulls think that they have on their side is that the Fed is done raising rates the rest of the year, and they're officially going to make a pivot. And I think even if they do raise rates, it's just one more and that's it. I think maybe two, but... Yeah, and personally, I think maybe two as well. But, but I think they're both 25 basis point raises. So. Yeah, so it's it's a lot less, uh, I mean, it's not like, it's, not, it's not nearly as drastic as what we saw a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's not nearly as drastic as what we saw last year. But I mean, I looked this morning at CME Futures, you know, which is, you can go to CME's website, click a couple of things and find out what people are guessing the Fed funds rate is going to be um, by this time, 
right? And you can kind of compare that to what it is now and say, okay, there's an 88% chance that rates are going to go up at the next meeting. So this morning, mm-hmm. I looked it up. Uh, CME futures are saying, and this is as of today, so this is subject to change. If you look at this tomorrow, um, you, you might see something different. If you look at this next week, you might see something different. So I'm just letting you know, I saw this today, July 5th. Uh, it was this morning at like 10 a.m., uh, whatever Arizona time is, right? So at 10 a.m. Arizona time, there was an 88% chance that the Fed was going to raise rates by 25 basis points at the next meeting, right? And that was just based on what, what we saw, what, what the CME is thinking that investors are seeing that the target Fed funds rate is going to be after July, after the July meeting, which happens on July 26, or the decision comes out July 26, right? So 88% chance that there's going to be a 25 basis point rate hike in July. Which I'll be honest, seems fair. I mean, it's not it's not a Fed meeting. We all know what it is. It's the vacation retreat in Jackson Hole. Well, uh, well, that, that's in August. Right? Oh, that's in August. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I was getting ahead of myself. <laughs> that's, um, all, that's all good. Man. Yeah, no. No, I see. I see 25. Yeah, 25 basis. Uh, let's, okay, scratch that. No, let's say, yeah, no, you're definitely right. I, I, I think we see 25 basis points in July. Then they go on vacation. To a symposium yep. where they will elucidate on their plans for the fall. Yeah. They'll go out to the woods, take some shrooms, take some acid, go to Burning Man, or at least create their own Burning Man. And, uh, which by the way, like, I'm, I'm not saying anything. All I'm saying is Burning Man, I feel like I, I got to experience that once in my life. Oh man. It's just so, I, I understand what you mean. It's just so sandy. I know. I know. But I just feel like I got to experience that at least once. They have like a, like a replica, like a, like a, Burning Man Jr. or like you know, uh, you know how like you know how, you know how like there's like the gold ETF and there's like the gold uh, portfolio version. So it's like yeah, yeah so it's like the, like the mini shares, right? So it's uh, we, there's yeah. an Arizona one, the fractionals. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's essentially just like the, the same thing but smaller, right? So it's like yeah. you know, there's like Burning Man and then in Arizona they have a thing called Saguaro Man, which is essentially. Burning Man, Ooh. but smaller and in Arizona. And I kind of want to, I, I got to experience both at some point in my life. But anyways, yes. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the Jackson Hole Symposium. Maybe they'll have a l- little soul searching come to Jesus moment and be like, you know what? I think maybe it is time to pivot or, you know what? We haven't really tackled inflation and it's not our fault because the fiscal arm is just not, they're, they're, everything we're trying to do, the fiscal arm is just ruining everything that we're trying to do. Well, yeah. Like, but but that's when the left hand and the yeah. right hand are. It's like the, it's almost yeah. like you know Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Love. It's the three headed knight. I watched that movie yesterday. Actually, that's funny that you bring that so up. Perfect. <laughs> you know, it's that three headed knight of like, let's kill him. So, no, I don't want I to don't kill want him. To kill. You kill you him. Kill. I have to live next to him. I, like you well, think you he talks low? You snore. Yeah, that. <laughs> That is basically that is that is fiscal and monetary policy. But poor Jay Powell in between. Yeah, dude, uh, yeah, I know. Like it's, it, but he's also like the guy that everybody's like, okay, he's you know he's the man in charge. If anything bad happens from the Fed, it's Jay Powell's fault, which I, I really don't think it should be. I, I think he's I think often they all wrongfully blamed. Yeah, I, I think he's often <laughs> wrongfully blamed, and I don't think he's wrongfully blamed because he's wrongfully blamed. I think he's wrongfully blamed as like it's just like the magnitude of his decision or whatever his capacity is. I think he's wrongfully blamed that in that aspect just because it's like yeah, he's given he's given substantially more credit for for the bad control thing. than he has. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. So. Yeah, I do feel bad for Jay Powell in that sense, but at the same time, I mean, like, dude, you sign up for it, you're getting a, a pretty nice paycheck. You get to Jackson and Hole every August. You get to go to Jackson Hole every August, take some shrooms, you know? I mean, I'm not encouraging that kind of behavior, but I'm just saying, you know, like, 
say. It would you explain all that. It, w- it definitely would. And Some of the decisions. 100%. It definitely would. And also, prior to all of this, prior to you taking on this gig, you were freaking filthy rich before that, dude. So, like, I don't feel that bad yeah. for Jerome Powell, but I do think this antagonizing of him it is a little bit out of control. But anyways, yeah, so Fed meeting July 26th, there's an 88% chance. So even with an 88% chance that the Fed is going to raise rates by 25 basis points in three weeks, I think would be when they yeah. meet. End of the so month, even yeah. With, yeah, so even with that, the S&P is at 44.70. That can't be right. Looking at Yahoo Finance right now, it's showing me 44.79. And I'm like, dude, that's above the 52-week highs. I'm seeing 4446. Um, okay, well, I like your quote better. So let's, let's roll with that. Um, so 4446, even with a 25 basis point rate hike, next Fed meeting, which is in three weeks. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know if that warrants an S&P at that, at that level, but I disagree. we'll see. I disagree with the, with, the, with the S&P being where it is. I, I know I, what I you're saying. Yeah, the Dow you, being where it is. Yeah, you agreed with me, um, but you disagreed with the, yeah. with the valuation of the S&P. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and it's, but it's, you know, we talk about like, we've got the, we've got, you know, monetary policy trying to tighten, trying to restrict, trying to yep. slow everything down. And we got fiscal policy just spending not seven trillion that. dollars a year, yeah, or whatever it is. It's- oh yeah, we're we're spending, and I'm actually for it in terms of I think it's I think it is a good I think it is necessary. But the Biden administration has put several billion dollars towards um, investment in nuclear power, nuclear infrastructure in the U.S. Yeah. And my response is that's a it's a good thing. We certainly need more power infrastructure and i think that yeah. it has problems i'm not sitting here saying oh it's a green solution but no, no. it is yeah better than well, some I, others first of all like we're trying to tame inflation and if we have an administration that says we understand the pains of inflation but we're also going to spend seven trillion dollars a year it's like okay first of all and we're going to pass an inflation reduction act it's like you have no clear understanding of how inflation works and how monetary supply works so like you're you're really talking out of both sides of your your mouth and you're trying to convince us that you're not lying to us so that's my criticism of the administration there but on top of that it's like the the things that the administration is spending money on for sure need to be addressed right like our infrastructure does need a good renovation but like a six trillion dollar spending bill there's going to be way too much waste and there's just going to be yeah i I mean Let's look at Turkey. They haven't spent their way out of inflation. The only thing they've done is um, Erdogan decided his son-in-law shouldn't be running their their treasury. Wow. I guess their what a, financial services, what and an he idea. decided to bring in actual economists. What an idea! Who told him realistically? No, we need to raise interest rates. The problem is they're they're pushing a rock uphill, and um, <laughs> and you know we're st- no no. Let's see it, where this goes. Yeah, but it's pretty wild. I don't know. You just can't you can't spend your way out of inflation. Yeah, and. When you've got the government spending at the same time as you're making it more expensive to borrow, all you're yeah. doing is essentially pushing, realistically, you're pushing um, smaller operations in the private sector out of being able to afford goods. Yeah. So exhibit A for that is if you look at restaurant prices, not restaurant prices, but like, I mean, like prices at a f- of, of whatever at restaurants. Like, I mean, yeah. when was the last time you got a decent meal under 20 bucks? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's been forever, right? Like. It's so weird yeah. how we think about 20 bucks now or like, you yeah, know, so like, like basically at this point, $20 is an extra large pho. It, um, that's exactly what it is. is that's a, and when dude, you start dude, thinking about things like you that. Speak in, when you speak in flow currencies, 
right? Like a bowl of pho. Freaking extra fantastic. large, though. I mean, uh, extra large, you know. beautiful, amazing pho, right? Vien- Vietnamese cuisine. Yeah, no, it's-, it's like when you speak in those currencies, that makes sense, right? But like, it's also like when you go to get a taco and like an a la carte taco oh, yeah. is freaking five bucks. It's like, dude, yeah. this used to be a buck. Yeah, I used you know, to, like, this, I, you know, I used to get like, I used to get like three, three of these with like chips and queso for like seven fifty or something. Yeah, and I realized dude. like this is just us like ignoring price pressures on, on and supply chain yeah, issues, sure. but it's well supply chain we know like, a, supply chain we know is not really like the somehow and I don't credit the Fed at all for this, but the supply chain has actually healed. The supply chain's fine now, sort of. You know. Sort of, it's, yeah, but like if you, if you look at the, the supply chain pressure index, it's I can't that that that's a mouthful, especially after like six grams of bourbon. But like the the global supply chain global supply chain pressure index, that's really like dude, that's really tough after this. It's, this much bourbon. it's healed itself. There's there's um I forget who it was, but there was a uh, some of my very good friends are huge fans of WWE wrestling, and they told me that there was this wrestler who <laughs> he had a concussion. And it was pretty bad, and so they sent him to go get um, tests done before they'd clear him to wrestle. And yeah. he went, and his doctor said, yeah, you're good to go. But the insurance company wouldn't clear him. They just said, no, you need to go get tested somewhere else. And so he went somewhere else. He went to um, oh. like a, a Mayo Clinic or something, and they were like, yeah, we think you're fine. Like, you passed all the concussion tests. And he got through it, and he gets the insurance company again with that. And they're like, they're like, we're still, we're still not comfortable. Go talk to someone else. He went, into, he went to an NFL team, one of the teams, and oh, he yeah. went to their their concussion Rush people protocol. who went, who basically said, yeah, you're fine. You're good. Head back. You're good to go. Insurance company one more time tells him, nah, no, we're not. Yeah. Go, you got to go. Like, you got to get someone else. And he ended up going to a university. Um, I think out in California, but he went to a, a university and they, they did the testing and they said, you can never wrestle again. And he's like, what Whoa. do you mean? All these other people clear me. And he goes, they go, yeah. So here's the thing. Your brain is so concussed that your next little one could kill you. But your brain has had so many over your career that it has healed around the damage. Hasn't fixed the damage. It's just oh. it's figured out how to do all the pass all these concussion tests while still being horrifyingly hurt. That's and actually so that was the end of his wrestling career. That's a fantastic analogy, actually. So, and so for me, I think that's what's kind of happening with the supply chain is it's like it's healed around the issues at hand. It hasn't necessarily healed the issues. I mean, if you look at no, Canada, one of Canada's no. ports is closed and has something like $4 billion in uh, its well, longshoremen so, is, is, are, are demanding more money. But it's just the pressure, right? The, the, so the supply chain pressure index, which really just measures- well, yeah, China's not, China's not making anything. Exactly. Exports are down. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying is like, it's healed the things around it in the sense that like the pressure of the supply chain has, has dissolved. And it's because less things are coming in. Remember like a couple of years ago, yeah. was it, or maybe, I don't know, it seems like a, like a different lifetime, but like a couple of years ago or two years, or, or maybe even like last year when there were like actual ships stranded on the ports waiting to get docked in Long Beach. Yeah. You know? So Absolutely. Like, that has slowed down, but I don't know if it's slowed down because we brought on more longshoremen. We've opened up more ports. Are they offloading? Or yeah. is it is it slowed down because it's just not like there's not that many ships coming in? You know? And the answer is yes. <laughs> a little of A, a little of B. Yeah, a little of A, a little of it's, it's it's not that it's not that the actual problem, which is to say that okay, we've dealt with the actual labor issues, we've dealt with the actual economic issues, the efficiency of, this of, of uh, we've dealt with the efficiency. Yeah, yeah. That's not, not, none of that has really changed. It's not like they've really said, oh, will we have more Teamsters moving product? It's we have the same amount of Teamsters moving now less product (laughs) or 
you know, it's, it's, not it's funny, a, sorry. but it's the case. It's like, it's like, um, oh, that, well, you know, I, I don't know. It's, uh, somewhat, you get hit really hard with a golf ball and, um, or a paintball and you have this bruise and it's like, oh, well it hurts when you put pressure on it. We'll take the pressure off. Okay. It's still it's bruised. Still, bruised. <laughs> it's still, it's still hurt. The damage is still done. It's just, you're not All right. like pushing on it. You know what, dude? Um, so I don't know if you remember our old drunken, our old, uh, drunken I was drinking game, but that's two excellent analogies that you just made. It's that's two drinks. That's true. Bottoms oh. up kids. Two drinks, dude. Two drinks. So that was excellent. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot to keep. Like I keep saying this and I hate that I keep saying this, but it's, it's another we'll see, right? Yeah. We'll see when the next shoe drops. And I, dude, like, I mean, I talked about this at work. I talked about this with you. I talked about this with so many people, you know, people like people that I caught up parts, you can finance what's going to happen with the economy. And I'm just, we'll see. Right. And it, and it sucks. I hate being in this perpetual cycle of, of we'll see. I'm with you in the sense that, like, we should have just ripped the bandaid off. But well, we have so well, the the issue is, as I see it, there are so many sectors that there are sectors that are really outperforming housing, like housing. <laughs> yeah, they aren't they, yeah. aren't they aren't increasing the supply enough, but the supply of people is. So there's an issue. Like there's that's why housing is through the roof, and why affordable housing isn't. Um, yeah. uh, then you, but then it's like, but okay, then look at commercial real estate. Commercial what a, real what estate a train wreck. Yeah, is is the exact opposite way. There's so <laughs> much office space especially in major cities and no one really yeah. wants it. Um, and no one really wreck, needs yeah. it because people have gone home to, to don't work from work home yeah. in that respect. Um, okay. So then let's go to, let's look at ports. Uh, is it that there's more people? Is it that they've worked out some of their labor issues and there's more people working in the ports? Yeah. Is it that there's, is yeah. it that there's substantially less stuff being shipped out of China? So you have fewer boats show you have to work. There's less work to do for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, in, in, like I guess saying in Canada, there's, um, their longshoremen union is having a, uh, is on strike essentially has shut down the union the negotiations have blown up. And so you're starting to see the same thing. Ships building up off their, off their ports. Oh, so really? it's, this isn't just an isolated issue in the U S no, for you know, sure. No, yeah, for sure. Know, are, are there teamsters? Are the railroad unions, are the railroads moving enough equipment? Like it's, are the increasing capacity? Yes. A little bit mm-hmm. has demand decreased. Yes, a little bit. So like when you have demand shifting left and supply shifting right, you know, you have you have your price generally speaking, your equilibrium price generally speaking shifts down. Yeah, pushed down, yeah. Demand slides so, left and, and supply slides right. Yeah. And the depending on which one's bigger, we can see you know the 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 equilibrium number of units could go either way. It could increase or yeah, decrease. Yeah. After um, seven grams, but of with an increase in supply and a decrease in demand, you generally speaking you're going to see price decrease. Yeah, so that and so that's kind of where we're. Yeah, we're, I mean, after seven rolls of bourbon, it took me a while to envision that. So like I was like, what'd yeah, you say? It's, it's always funny yeah, when you're so. Yeah, I had to like draw it on the wall here and be like, dude, okay, so. Mm-hmm. Or supply goes up, yeah. and what happens? What we're, what we're yeah. seeing is there's so, so and when and in this case, it's it's there's less demand for labor at the ports, and there's a greater supply of labor at the ports because right there's fewer ships showing up, so you yeah. need little less you need demand the labor, and you have more of it because you can have people working. You don't have to have an extra team on the night shift; you can move it to the day shift, and then people are happier, so they're what? willing to more more happily supply the labor. Um, but, the, but those are the, but those are the thing, the issues we're dealing with. And it's, it's well, a, yeah. In all fairness, I, I think, I think things are starting to come together. I wish it would have happened a lot faster because like, I, I, because I don't think the workforce capacity, the workforce participation on the long shores were at the same capacity that it was at before no. COVID. Well, California had a few issues. It, it wasn't yeah. actually, I mean, it was, was it longshoremen to an extent realizing they could ask for more money? Absolutely. 
Um, another sure. big issue was that they could unload the ships, but they couldn't empty out the ports quickly enough. Yeah. Like they didn't have enough trucks to move product. So then it doesn't matter. Like it's like it's a, everything has to move perfectly. At the same time, like that's if you really think about it, that's the same concept, right? So like are there oh, yeah. long are there enough longshoremen and are there enough truck drivers? Right. Yep. So that's kind of like And we had a big just in time <laughs> supply chain setup. Like when it works, it's perfect. Like they show up and like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Nothing's lying around, nothing's sitting around. It's extremely efficient. It looks cool. Um, sure, yeah. I think in a in a post COVID world, I think we're and I think we're see, we're starting to see it in a lot of industries, but we're starting to see a lot of businesses convert to a just in case mentality from just in time. They're willing to they're willing to buy more inventory yeah, now and I, sit on it and store it and pay and pay those carrying and holding costs. Yeah, that's so they don't that's, have to worry. I think it would make much more sense for them just to pay truck drivers more, and that's on top of like I know truck drivers make good money they already. Can. Yeah, they can. They can. I mean, but like, they don't always. They don't. They don't always. But at the same time, it's like, okay, if you talk to someone that's ten years old and you said, "Hey, like, do you want to know what the fast track to being a millionaire is?" and the ten year old is like, "No, I don't." And you know, the mentor goes, "Unless you're really good at something, unless you're really good at playing the guitar, or unless you're really good at singing, or unless you're really good at talented football, athlete, yeah, yeah, or football or golf or baseball." The fastest track that pretty much anybody can take to being a millionaire is being a truck driver. I know that. Like, like plumbing, septic like, tanks, electricians. Oh, septic tanks? It's, uh, it's, yeah, the blue, oh, it's the blue collar. Blue collar yeah, but like number one is truck driving, right? Like, that's by far and beyond number one because like you don't have to be that old to, to start your career in that field. And you could be no. a millionaire by the time you're 25 years old being a truck driver. You could be. I'm not saying everybody that starts that truck driving career becomes a millionaire by the time you're 25. All I'm saying is you could be by the time you're 25, which, you know, if you really think about it, being a millionaire these days isn't saying that much, but isn't what it yeah. used to be. Yeah, exactly. So let's, uh, let's put it this way. I was talking to, or I was reading, I was talking to my stepdad, but I was also reading this really interesting um, piece. And it was a, uh, it was a, a person, it was a person from the boomer generation who worked in finance, essentially talking to um, a millennial about what would you do if you had a million dollars? If a million dollars fell in your lap tomorrow and they were like, and the response was essentially, I'd pay off my debt. I'd yeah. pay off like the debt of like immediate family. I'd put most of it away for the rainy day and I might buy a house. But other than that, I'd go about my business. Like I wouldn't, like no big vacation, no like, no crazy windfall, just legitimately. You can. you're, like I, you can't afford it with a million bucks. What's right. And it's because it's because I can't afford to not do anything. It's, I can't afford to quit. I can't afford to do nothing with a million dollars. No, with a million, um, like if someone gave me a million bucks, it's like, okay, yeah, I would pay off like all of my friends and families, like I'd pay off all the student loans and then I'd be done. Like mm-hmm. I'd be out, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, but it's this, right. but, uh, it built that the guy went on and he was thinking about it and he's like, you know, and it occurred to me that that mentality is the same mentality that people who survived the great depression had, which was, you know, <laughs> he was, he's like, if you ask a boomer, it's like, I'm going to go on a vacation to the Bahamas for three weeks. If you ask a Gen Xer, they'd be like, Oh, I'm going to like buy a new car and go, go crazy for a while and do all this. But like, he's like, he's like, yeah, people that lit were alive during the great depression. He's like, and millennials as a whole have a very similar outlook and mentality. He, I think what he said is that the, uh, the same guy writing on it continued yeah. just goes, yeah, I think this, the millennials are a lot more cynical about things <laughs> or no, more, yeah. more publicly cynical about things well between that and the fact that one million dollars really doesn't go that far anymore but well yeah yeah i I mean to be fair though like i do think in a less active economy it is easier to 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 fix the supply chain 
And we can, oh yeah, we can, we can agree it's, on that, right? It's a lot easier to cook a single dish in a kitchen when only one dish has been ordered. Yeah, you see. So, so yeah, when I when I when I look at our supply chain, I certainly look at it and I think, okay, it's it's fine. Like it's not something that we have to worry too much about. But at the same time, could it be better? Absolutely. Well, the imp- if it was better. The infrastructure of it needs help. So there we go. So, um, like, it's so it's 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 so weird how all that helps. Like how all that kind of kind of coincides. You have to spend money to yeah. make money. That that mentality well, where like you know, or you have to spend money to save money even further. So like think about it this way. Like if you're able to go out and maintain the roads in a proper fashion, like the way they should be, the way the gas tax is supposed to, but the gas tax has been frozen at you know, 1980s levels, 1990s levels, it hasn't kept up with inflation. So like the gas tax, which is part of the gallon of gas you buy, uh, some of that is tax that goes straight to the maintenance of roads and highways specifically in the US. But but it being frozen at its amount doesn't allow for it to actually pay for that. So now, so, so they're like, oh, the gas tax is paying for highways, but it's not increasing income as everything else, as all other costs increase. So now the government has to decide it's going to fix bridges. Otherwise they collapse or dams, otherwise they collapse. And it's a bad thing. But if roads are working, if highways are working better, interstates are working better, and they're well paved and they're well maintained without potholes, your truckers, your teamsters are able to drive at a more consistent speed using less fuel to do it. So they then consume less gas, right? So their their expenses go down. It wears on their tires less, their wheels all the rest because the roads are good so the truck requires less maintenance per mile well yeah right? well, and I'm, suddenly it's less expensive well and that's the thing I mean, and the big conflict there is like so with those roads with that infrastructure do we is you're socializing the cost to save yeah, private but, individuals money yeah no exactly well the thing is well like okay so let's say we are doing that what's the alternative right do these corporations end up saying well the, right, al- the alternative is um is toll roads and there we go right and nobody likes that so and no one wants yeah, that so you know so on the one hand when people say like oh is is spending is the government spending more money going to save money in the long run the answer is generally speaking absolutely not well Could it save those hidden dollars you don't notice yeah the big problematic thing about all the infrastructure spending is really just the government is very inefficient at spending money which, to be honest with no, you, the government's very efficient at spending money. <laughs> They're very okay, well, good at spending money. <laughs> well, I'm saying the efficiency of their dollars is very low. That's what I meant to say. Oh, okay. So, okay, yeah. yes, I'll give you. I'll, I agree. I know what you meant. But okay, cool. It's yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So that, that's why that's why like it's so counterintuitive. Like whenever they talk about inflation reduction. Oh, here's a seven trillion dollar yeah. spending bill. By the way, half so the government this is great is not... at spending money. It's bad about how it spends. Exactly, money. they're fantastic at that. But yeah, so it's pretty ironic. But anyways, um, I am all out of bourbon. I'm all out of Eli, Eli Craig. I hate to be like this, but that's uh, nah, fair. Let's I get, get it. Let's get this week short. Um, you know, like you know, we're taking a break next week. Oh yeah, we're taking a break next week. Sorry guys, I meant to say it sooner. Yeah. We're, um, sorry guys, we're not going to be here next week. I'm going uh, to New York. Aaron's going to be out of town for work. I'm yeah. going to be converting some things making some changes in my life as well i don't so, want to go to new york um, so and yeah your yes, predicament just, is much more drastic so i don't i don't i don't want to lowball yeah. no well I'm, let's just but, put this way we both got a lot going on next week but we'll be back in two weeks time one week before the fed meeting to discuss um all the awesome stuff that we see in the jolts report the jolts and the, cpi uh, cpi comes out next week too so we, we have jolts later this so, week cpi next week but yeah uh it's gonna be exciting um 
you know, I, I think James, with what you have going on, I mean, you got a lot going mm-hmm. for you, man. So I do. I think I, it'll be it'll be great, guys. Um, it's good. Let's put it this way. Yeah, I've got some crazy stuff going on. It's good for me for sure. So don't be. Um, we will tell you all about it uh, in a little bit. You'll find out in a little while. It'll yeah, be pretty well, awesome. We're I mean, love it. maybe not everybody. On top of that, if but, you reach out to us in on Discord, if you reach out to us on Instagram, we'd be more than happy to be, more, to be transparent about who we work for. As yeah, long, you know, like all, yeah, all that kind of absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, work for. Um, um, what we think, all the kind if of stuff. Not, like, if you just want to be able to put a flag up for Aaron in New York, or you want to be able to put a flag up for me wherever you guys are, or if we ever announce where we're going on a vacation or something, or, or you need trip. to just let everyone around you know that you are a one of the more righteous blokes on the block, that you're sure. definitely a person that should be asked that serious question about um, the economy or markets, then you should check us out at uh, drugonomics.myspreadshop.com and yes. go ahead and buy some swag, get some merch. Yeah, got some great. Um, keep it yeah, classy. Some, uh, I'll drive up that CPI. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, got, yeah, we had some good uh, <laughs> golf polos, tank tops, whatever it is. Yeah, and then from there, if you want to leave a tip in the tip jar, you know, we mentioned this a million times. We're both bartenders by trade. Um, we love tipping. James and I, we leave a lot of tips. But That's if you want to leave a tip for us, to leave tips later on, you can always go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N-S-U-M slash D-R-U-N-K-N-O-M-I-C-S. Anything there is very much greatly appreciated on top of everything that you guys do in, in, uh, in all your other support. <clears throat> there yeah. we go, in all your other support of us. Yeah, we do appreciate everything. I will say this um, in the general yeah. chat. I saw that you got here on July 1st, but I'll say this very simply. Welcome, James. I see there's another in there. I knew that. <laughs> you've been sitting that for time. a while, huh? I have. I've just been like, oh. Yeah, I feel oh, like you've been sitting on that for a while. Yeah, so now, we, have, now we have two have. Jameses. This is the last thing we need. But uh, yeah, just kidding. No. If you're, welcome aboard. Yeah. Welcome to who's joined us. Welcome to who's started following us on our other socials. Because I know we got like, a, I think a Sean today on Insta. Yeah. Um, but yeah, guys, welcome. Thanks for everything. And we'll see you in two weeks. Yeah, I love drinking with you guys. I, I'm cool with like you reach out to me on LinkedIn or Instagram, whatever it is individually. But seriously, my encouragement to you as we take on the rest of the week, next two weeks actually, um, is to continue to fill and kill, play chestnut checkers. Don't brag, just say, but... And I know it's... Most importantly... It's going to be hard, but for two weeks, guys, you just got to stay drunk and amical. You can do it. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. <laughs>